Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Forgotten True Crime by Oki Investigations, the true crime podcast where we tell the stories of crimes that happened long ago. If you are a true crime fan, make sure you subscribe to the podcast. That way, when we have new episodes, you will be the first to know. Also, check us out on our Facebook page, Oki Investigations, and visit our blog, truecrime.blog, where we post many of the cool things that we found for each episode. This episode, The Intruder, has a lot of exciting stuff for you to dig into. Make sure you go there and check it out. You can follow me on Facebook under Trevor Shelby. The link is in the description below. And you can see what trouble I've been getting into and what I'm currently working on. Parts of the story may contain opinions and speculations and should be taken as such. These stories depict violent crimes of all types and may be a trigger for some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome everyone to the show. It's good to be here. We are in the month of February, the month of love. We decided to start an annual event called Be Mine. This will feature true crime stories of love and loss. Many of these stories do not feature a happily ever after, but rather full of misery forevermore. This is also a very unique case. I won't give anything away here before we tell the story, but I just I just know that I'm really enjoyed researching this story. We'll talk more about its uniqueness a little while later, but for now, sit back and enjoy the story of The Intruder. Ruth Brown was born in New York in 1895. She was a focused young woman just wanting to succeed in life. Ruth decided that it would be best for her to drop out of school in the 8th grade and take a job at a telephone company instead. But discovering that not all jobs would lead her to the success that she was looking for, she decided to focus on learning shorthand and typing so she could get a job in an office somewhere. You see, for Ruth, success was not about where you were in your job or how much money you were making. It was about finding true love and starting a family. So in 1914, when she was only 19 years old, Ruth was able to secure a job at Motorboating Magazine. That is where she met a handsome man named Albert Snyder. He was 32 years old and very focused on his career. That was until he met Ruth, because after that chance meeting... He started to focus on her. Even though he was older, Ruth didn't seem to mind at all. Albert was a gentleman, 
and soon they were spending all their time together. In 1915, they decided that they were going to get married, and three years later, their daughter Lorraine was born. Albert was very focused on his job. He was a successful person and provided very well for his family. They bought a beautiful home in Queens, New York, but this didn't mean that he was the best spouse in town either. Albert had his own idea of what success was, very opposite of Ruth, and much of it involved his job and making money. By some reports, people found Albert challenging to work with because he was a very no-nonsense person, but he loved his family and did his best to provide for them. On March 20th, 1927, Albert and Ruth attended a party. Albert was not the party type and didn't really want to be there. The party was something that was more Ruth's style. They left the party late into the night and arrived home about 1.30 in the morning. Hours later, little Lorraine Snyder came fleeing from their home. She ran to a neighbor's house telling that someone had attacked their family. After alerting the police, neighbor Louis Mulhauser ran to the Snyder residence. The front door was open and he went inside. There he found Miss Snyder at the foot of the stairs. Her legs were bound with rope and she struggled to stay conscious. Mr. Malhauser worked to free her from the bindings and then carried her to a nearby bedroom. But there, covered in a blanket, he found Albert Snyder dead. Albert was face down in the bed. A pistol was laying beside him. It didn't take long for the police to arrive to the crime scene. What they found was total chaos. Upon entering the home, they found the entire home had been trashed. Ruth was downstairs away from her husband and Mr. Malhauser was comforting her. They first talked to Mr. Malhauser, who told them what he knew of what had happened so far. How their little girl came running to their home, and how he ran over to see what exactly was going on. The New York City Police Commissioner, George Vincent McLaughlin, took a special interest in this case, he arrived at the murder scene just a little after the police did, and he began to interview Ruth himself. This is her exact statement, word for word, as recorded by the Daily News. We had been to a party at the home of Mr. and Mrs. William Fidgeton, 8935 Hollis Court Boulevard, Queens. We had a great time. We drank quite a bit. We got home about 1.30 in the morning. I went upstairs to my room while Albert drove the car to the back. The front door was open for about five minutes. We have separate rooms. Some little time after I went to bed, I got up. I thought I heard Lorraine calling. Lorraine is our daughter. She's nine. As I stepped out of my room, I went towards her room. 
I passed another room, the room where my mother stays when she's with us. A man came out of that room and hit me on the head. I believe that I heard him call to someone downstairs below. It was about 8 o'clock when I awoke. I was stiff and strained, bound and gagged. I had a hard time taking the ropes off of my hands. Then I took the gag out of my mouth and tried to scream. After she started screaming, that is when little Lorraine was woken up and came out of her room. Not only did she find her mother tied up on the floor, but she found her father dead in bed. That is when she fled from the home, not knowing if the attackers were still in the home, and ran to Mr. Malhauser's house. Ruth was able to give a vague description of the man who attacked her. He had a long black mustache, a black slouch hat, and spoke in broken English. She never saw the other man. The commissioner then went to look for the body of Albert Snyder. It was not a pretty scene. The mattress was soaked with blood. His head looked like it had been beaten with something heavy. Pitcher wire was used to strangle him. It was pulled so tight it had cut into his throat. It was not a pleasant scene at all. His pockets were pulled inside out as if someone had searched them. The commissioner went back to Ruth and asked if Mr. Snyder had any money on him. She thought about it and told the commissioner that her husband had withdrew over $100 and he would have had that on him. Getting the idea that this was a robbery gone wrong, the commissioner led Ruth around the home. He had her identify valuables that were missing from the house. The things that she noticed very quickly was that some jewels and a bracelet and three rings were missing from her jewelry box. She was also missing a fur coat. One of the things that bothered the commissioner about this crime scene was that he believed the robber was not professional. Yes, it appeared that he had gone for jewelry, something small and hard to track, but they also pulled out all the drawers in the kitchen, which would be very loud and would have had little to no profit. The commissioner had more questions for Ruth and her daughter, but they needed to move the body of Albert Snyder. Instead of having them at the home when this was performed, they decided to finish the interview at the police station. As they went to leave, reporters had already caught wind of what was going on and had also arrived at the Snyder home. They asked if Ruth was under arrest, and the commissioner reassured them that she was coming in for questioning only and that she was not a suspect. He also described the man that Ruth saw attack her so it would be reported in the papers and the community could be on the lookout. When Ruth and Lorraine arrived at the police station, they separated them to give their official statements to the detectives. By the time they were both done, the commissioner had received a curious report about the crime scene. 
you see all of the things that Ruth had noticed were missing were actually found while the police searched the home. The curious part was that the items were found under Ruth's mattress. It was at this point the commissioner started seeing Ruth in a new light. Before they questioned Ruth about this, they first went to talk to nine-year-old Lorraine. They asked her if her parents ever fought, and she told them, well, they fought all the time. Commissioner McLaughlin let his detectives know that they should start looking into the possibility that Miss Ruth Snyder might have something to do with her husband's death. So they started searching the home with this in mind. He also didn't want them to zero in on her as a suspect without checking all other leads. So he sent detectives to Mr. and Mrs. William Fidgeton's house to see what they knew. They're the ones that held the party that the Snyders were at the night of the murder. They might have some more insight on what may have happened. When the detectives arrived at the Fidgeton residence, they questioned both of them to see what happened at that party. Mr. Fidgeton told them that it was a pretty uneventful night. They played cards and held these parties regularly. Miss Fidgeton went to school with Ruth and they were very close friends. Albert was not a fan of their parties, and it was well known that he didn't really want to be there. But Ruth always drug him along. Albert got into an altercation with Miss Fidgeton's brother, Mr. George Hugh. Albert was sore after he lost some money, and he and George had to be pulled apart when they started arguing. It didn't come to blows, but it almost did. When asked where George was last night after the party, Mr. Fidgeton quickly told the officers that he would have gone straight to his hotel after the party because it was so late. The party broke up a little after 1 a.m., so he should have gotten there a little after that time. The detectives pretty much ruled out the Fidgetons as suspects. They didn't seem to have a grudge against the Snyders. And if they were attacked shortly after getting home, the Fidgetons were still seeing lingering guests at their home, so they would not have had that opportunity. The detectives went down to the hotel where George Hugh was staying, and he also stated that he went straight to his hotel room after the party. They were able to confirm his late arrival to the hotel with the hotel staff. So even though it seemed like he might have had some kind of small motive, George didn't commit the murder. This led to a dead end to this part of the investigation. Back at the Snyder home, the detectives who were still searching found two more pieces of potential evidence. The first was near where Mr. Snyder was murdered. It was a small pin with the initials J.G. on the back. The pin was thought to belong to Miss Snyder, and they thought it was curious that she would have something this personal with another person's initials that were not 
her husband's on the back of it. They then went into the basement of the home. In a well-hidden spot, they also found a address book. The book contained the names and addresses of 27 men inside. These were all taken to the police station to be gone over. The coroner also collected the body of Mr. Albert Snyder. The initial investigation at the crime scene left a lot of questions. They didn't know if he was killed by strangulation or due to the multiple major blows to his head. At the station, one of the detectives went over that address book with an idea in mind. If this were Ruth's personal address book and it contained the names of men that she might have been seeing on the side, they thought that the initials on the pen might match someone in that book. The initials on the pen were J and G, and there was one name in the book that fit. His name was Judd Gray. The detectives put two and two together. And they and the commissioner went back to question Ruth Snyder. This time, they were going to go a lot harder on her. The first thing they asked was what kind of relationship she had with her husband. Ruth explained that she had been a bit of a night owl and her husband was just the opposite. He had a boat. He enjoyed taking out during the day. And that's why he was always so tan. They asked about the fighting, and at first she tried to deny it, but they told her that their own daughter told them about the fighting, so she owned up to it. They were always at odds, it seemed, so it caused a lot of fights in their household. The police then asked about the missing items from the robbery, they asked her if she knew if they were missing or not. She said that they were, so they told her that they had found them under her mattress. Ruth tried to play this off also. She told the detectives that she was just so forgetful and made a mistake. She did put them under there. The last thing they asked was, who is Judd Gray? Ruth almost fainted at this question. She suddenly sat up and looked very worried. The detectives held back from asking anything and just looked hard at her. You see, when someone is being questioned, silence is almost unbearable. A suspect will continue to talk just to break that silence. Ruth did just this. And what she said turned this whole investigation around. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Ruth looked up at the detectives and quietly asked, 
Did he confess? One of the detectives responded, Yes, he did. Then Ruth started to sob, and she told the entire story. She told them that she had known Gray for almost two years. They had become more than just friends, and most of their relationship they had seen each other behind her husband's back. They had talked about killing her husband several times. Poison was the preferred method, but they couldn't quite pull it off. So the night of the murder, Gray had laid in wait for them to arrive at home. After Albert had fallen asleep, Ruth let Albert into the house. They had already decided that they would kill Albert and make it look like a robbery. Gray took a heavy weight and then went upstairs. He struck Albert Snyder on top of his head twice. He then used a pitcher wire to finish the job. According to Ruth, besides letting him into the home, she had no more to do with her husband's death. It was all Gray's doing. They then asked her about the pin that they had found on the floor. Ruth was not happy to see it. She told them about her husband's first love, Jesse Gouchard. She had given Albert that pin shortly before she had died. He held on to it ever since. No woman was ever as good as Jesse, not even Ruth. She was his first love. Although it was their assumption that led them to the truth, it was funny that it was only by chance. Judd Gray was staying at a hotel in Syracuse, New York. Police arrived and found him in this room. They arrested him on the spot and charged him with murder. Judd flat out denied the allegations against him. When they searched his room, they found a metal bar and ripped clothing, but nothing that actually linked him to the murder. They hauled Judd in for questioning and told him that Ruth had already confessed to the entire crime. They already knew that he had done the deed. But Gray insisted that there was no way he had anything to do with it, and he signed an affidavit to that effect. We have a copy of that affidavit. I am 34 years old. I'll be 35 years of age on July 8th of 1927. I am married. I live with my wife, Miss Isabella Gray. We have one daughter named Jane, 10 years old. We live in East Orange, New Jersey. I was born in Cortland, New York. My father is dead. My mother resides at West Orange, New Jersey. About March 7th, I left my home on a business trip through New York State. I've known Albert Snyder's wife, whose name is Ruth Brown Snyder, for the past two years. I was introduced to her in either May or June of 1925 by Harry Poslam. He admitted that he picked her up through a flirtation in a restaurant. From that time on, I became friendly with her. 
I have talked with the mother and the daughter, but I've never met or talked to Albert Snyder. I swear that I have not seen or talked with Ruth Snyder in person since about the fourth week in February in 1927, or the first week in March of the same year. The last time I talked with Miss Ruth Snyder was on Thursday night, March 17th, from the Hotel Sineska at Rochester. I stopped there Wednesday night, March 16th, and Thursday night, March 17th. I checked out of the hotel on Friday, March 18th, between 5 and 6 p.m., and I arrived in Syracuse at 8.15. I went directly to the Hotel Onondaga. I stayed there Friday night until about 2 a.m. on March 21st, when I was brought into the police station headquarters for investigation. The officer found the gray rolled-up pair of rubber gloves, an iron pitch bar, and a pair of brown Oxford shoes, which were in my hotel room. I had taken the same items out of my trunk, which I had sent to the Syracuse Trunk Company Saturday morning, to have repaired. Since knowing Miss Snyder, I have visited her on a number of different occasions. The only time that she ever accompanied me on an automobile trip, we were gone about a week through New York State. She left her daughter with her mother. I swear I know nothing about who committed the murder. I swear that I had no part in the murder in any shape or form. The police held both of them overnight. The papers went crazy over the story and reported on everything that came out as it happened. The continued press brought more and more evidence out into the public eye. A man who worked for the nearby hotel told officers that he had letters for Mr. Gray from Ruth Snyder. She would mail them to the hotel so that Miss Gray would never see them. When detectives received the mail and read it, it gave them more ammunition. The letters were from Miss Snyder. She was telling Gray that she was so excited about something. They believed that it was her husband's murder that they would be committing soon. Ruth signed each letter with, Love, Your Mommy. This was leaked into the press, and they had a filled day with it. Some papers would now only call Ruth Gray's mommy from this point on, poking fun at this situation. Both Ruth and Gray were charged with the murder of Albert Snyder. But on March 22, 1927, they both pled not guilty citing the other as the actual murderer. Ruth's attorney believed that she would be acquitted when they heard the entire story. She could not be found guilty of a murder she didn't commit. Gray's attorney stated that his client didn't commit the murder, even though that he was there. It was Ruth who did the killing. Both Ruth and Gray were tried together. They each accused the other of actually killing Mr. Albert Snyder. The prosecution argued that they both planned it. They used the letters as evidence, their confessions, and the autopsy 
According to Gray, they both hit Albert over the head with the heavy weight. When Gray did it, Albert tried to get up. That was when Ruth took the weight and also hit Albert over the head. They then strangled him with the pitcher wire. According to the coroner, when they tried to strangle Albert, he was already dead. The blows to the head are what killed him. At the trial, Ruth tried to convince the jury that she had no hand in her husband's murder. That Gray did it on his own. She said that Gray forced her to do things like upping Albert's life insurance from 15000 to 25000 When Gray attacked her husband, she tried to stop him. But Gray shoved her to the ground. And by the time that she was able to get up, he was finished. And Albert was dead. Gray testified that they both planned the murder and that she helped. So much so that it was her actions that killed Albert Snyder. She had just used him because she knew that he was in love with her. She tricked him into help kill her husband and that the act was entirely her fault. He even reenacted the murder for the jury so that they would know what actually happened. When the case went to the jury, they deliberated for 98 minutes. When they came back, they announced their verdict. They found that Judd Gray and Ruth Snyder were guilty of murder in the first degree. They fixed death as their sentence. On January 12, 1928, both Judd and Ruth would be executed back to back. They had to go with Judd first. When they came for him, he had just read a letter from his wife, forgiving him for what he had done. This was the first time she had done this. This brought him much peace. He walked into the chamber and spent his last words warning others of doing wrong. He then sat down and was put to death. Ruth would be next. She was led in by the guards and allowed to speak. It was noted that she was acting very erratically and seemed to have aged quite a bit from the trial. Now, I take some of those reports with just kind of a grain of salt, because they were very focused on her looks and everything in the papers. So this was their chance to pretty much kind of poke at her, I think. Now, she stated that she was just too young to die. And then she asked God to forgive them because they knew not what they were doing. She then prayed and they began the procedure she was dead after three whole minutes in the chair. That's a considerably long time to be on the electric chair. A reporter from the Daily News had actually snuck a small camera into the death chamber. He took the first ever picture of an electrocution. It was a picture of Ruth Snyder's last moment. It was forever captured on film. 
It soon became one of the most remarkable execution photos in criminal justice history. And the camera is actually in a museum because of its unique design. You see, the camera had an ankle strap and he was able to just lift his pants leg and pull a string and it took the photo. But we're talking 1920s, you know, photo equipment. So this thing, I mean, it's not a... It's it's a small camera for the time, but it's not a very small camera. So this thing is kind of wild to look at. If if uh, we'll we'll post a picture of it on the website. Um, if you do want to see the actual photo, uh, you could just Google Ruth Snyder and you can find it that way. I'm not going to post it on our website. Anyways, I hope you all enjoyed this story. This one was a lot of fun to research. And before we started this story, I actually hinted that there's something kind of unique about this story. There's something that I found interesting anyways. And we've kind of covered it, but I just want to make mention of this again. You see, before Ruth even knew Albert, Albert was in love with a woman named Jessie Gouchard. Jesse gave Albert a pin, a token of her love for him. They were a real loving couple. They got each other. They understood each other. They liked the same things. They were kind of like the perfect couple. And in Albert's eyes, no woman was the equal to her. He spent years before being with Ruth just being alone because, well, he was still in love with Jesse. And it always bothered Ruth that he carried this pin on him always. He also had photos of her in their home. So Ruth was never the main woman in the home because Jesse's spirit was always there. I found it very interesting that Ruth plans this murder she gets her boyfriend to help her out in doing this and it's this pin that she hates so much that clues the police in that Judd Gray might be the JG on the pin since they had mistaken the pin for Ruth's. I found it very interesting. In some ways, Jesse lovingly helped solve the murder of Albert after both of their deaths. Anyways, I hope you all enjoyed today's show. If you did, please give us a rating on whatever service you are listening below. It will help us out greatly. The ratings tell the podcast networks that our show is something that you like to listen to, and it helps bring us as a recommended podcast to other listeners just like you. I will see you all next week. See ya. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.